Hey there, if you are listening to this for the first time before we even jump into the lesson, I just want to let you know, um, we talked about stress and anxiety and being overwhelmed and all those things, and we have put together on the Parent Q page um, some resources for you. And So if you are a parent, especially listening to this, I want to encourage you to uh, go over to the Parent Q page, so just go to lhc.life slash students, and um, you can uh, check it out there, and we'll we'll try to link that here in the show notes for you, but but uh, it has some of the diagrams that were discussed during the lesson that you'll hear about. And so it's very visual. And so you, you'll want to make sure that you have those in front of you so that you can both look at them and reference back and hopefully help walk your students through some of this stuff. So as they went into their groups, they talked about the importance of um, or they talked about what areas pushed them into the red zone. So if you as a parent want to follow up, that would be a great question. What were some things that, that push you into the red zone? And if they were here, they'll understand that lingo. Um, and if not, make sure you give, make sure you have them listen to this uh, audio real quick. So without any more instruction, I will kick you over now to the lesson. So hope you enjoy uh, Pastor Scott teaching on part one of Overwhelmed. Tim and Wendy both said something. How about that? Hey. Yeah. Anxiety and worry. You ever guys ever hear about that? No? Does the Bible talk about anxiety and worry? Panic, stress, fear? Yes, it does. So let me help you with that. So worry and anxiety are not just teenage problems, they're human problems. And so um, Pastor Nick asked me to help with this. The reason I've been thinking about this a lot is obviously because I do counsel, but I'm a parent and... um, I'm human, so therefore anxiety and stress and worry are the things that we all deal with. And so for the last couple of years, I've noticed not through Christian media, but just through newscast I look at and read, that anxiety numbers have been climbing and climbing and climbing every year for your age especially. So every year going into college, they'll have a, uh, some type of survey and they'll do an assessment of the incoming freshmen. And every single year, the anxiety and stress level continues to climb up. So schools are extremely worried about this right now because their number of counselors to number of people entering their universities is really, really difficult to maintain the level of counseling they're trying to work with. And so uh, I've been thinking about it from a biblical perspective and thought about this and talked to many people about this in the past. So that's the reason for thinking about a little mini booklet potentially leading to a bigger booklet because there's really very little written from your age perspective on stress, anxiety, and worry. And so what I want to do tonight is Nick's going to talk about why next week more, why we get anxious and worried. Tonight I wanted to kind of help you define worry and anxiety, fear and panic. And I want you to think about how it shows up in your life, because that's, that's a big factor there. Um, it's one thing to talk about, this is what the Bible says, but recognizing signs in your own life is a big factor of, of learning how to deal with it. So let me, let me start with this. Let me, let me open us in prayer and then think about this. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word and for each person here. I'm thankful to God that you see your universe comprehensively. You don't give us everything you know in Scripture, God, but you do give us a comprehensive account of the way we are to look at our world to ourselves, look at the people around us, understand our circumstances and situations, understand the pressures and stressors of life. And I pray, Lord, this would be a fruitful time, helpful time, that there will be tools that would be able to put into practice after this, and ultimately lives will be changed and you'll be glorified. And uh, we would be better off because of your word, because of your help. In Christ's name, amen. So, maybe you're the student um, that takes a family trip. 
And uh, they, these aren't my stories. I, I just pulled this from, I've, I've got 15 or 20 articles written from people who aren't in the church just talking about their concern for anxiety, stress. But maybe the student who is on a family trip, a vacation, it can't be fall break because you guys don't have a fall break here. Um, every state we've moved from had a fall break, but there's not one here. So anyway, let's say spring break. You're on spring break and you go on a trip and you can't enjoy yourself because you're so anxious about the test you might miss or the homework you're going to miss because you've got all these assignments and, and the whole time you're gone, you're overwhelmed because you're thinking about this. Or maybe you're a student worried that you're not going to make the baseball team or cross country team or swim team or track team or whatever. So you're anxious about it. Maybe you're a student has, who has an older sibling or parent who achieved all kinds of success and you don't seem to measure up. So you're thinking about that a lot. Maybe the student whose parents are not getting along well and you wonder if they'll be married much longer, if they're going to force. Now let me tell you a real story. This is from an article I read. Maybe you're like Jake. Jake's a junior in high school, taking three AP classes on the cross-country team and traveling to model United Nations conferences. So he's got a busy schedule. It was a lot to handle, but Jake, the likable hard-working, oldest sibling in a suburban North Carolina family, much like here, probably, was the kind of teenager who handled things. One of Jake's biggest fears was failure. He worried about it privately. Nobody knew this. What if I can't keep up with my peers? What if I don't succeed in life? Jake had a deep drive inside himself to avoid failing that he considered to be a strength, and probably other people would have as well. Jake's parents knew he could be high-strung. In middle school, they sent him to a therapist because he was scared to sleep in his own room. But nothing prepared them for the day two years ago when Jake, then 17, seemingly ran 150 miles an hour into a brick wall. His mother said he refused school, which he used to love to do. He curled up in a fetal position on the floor, cried out, I just can't take it. He screamed, you just don't understand. Jake was right. His parents didn't understand, but Jake didn't understand either. Suddenly, Jake felt like going to school was impossible. He thought people were undoubtedly judging him, that nothing he did felt good enough. All of a sudden, I couldn't do anything, he said. I was so afraid. His stomach hurt. He had migraines. He said, you know how a normal person might feel in their stomach, that lurch before pop quiz when you walk in and you find out you have it? He said, I felt that way every single day. That's Jake, and I could tell you there are story after story after story of other teenagers in very different circumstances, all at the same place. They're walking through life, their parents are just helping them think through life, and they hit a brick wall, and their world falls apart. In school, and everything goes on hold. Some of them don't ever finish school. They never make it past that. Let me tell you a story about a guy I know. I owned a coffee business in a prior life to this one. I've owned two, actually. I became a believer in the first one. Uh, and the second one, I was in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was just overwhelmed with trying to run a business by myself with a little bit of income and very few uh, employees. Good employees, but few employees. And I had a guy that had come from Austin, Texas. He was in my young singles ministry. He was about 15 years younger than me, but he moved from Austin, Texas to help me. And him and his wife were there, and, and they came, and they were working on side, and they gave me a break. And at this point where I decided I was going to sell my business, I asked them if they wanted to buy it. They were really excited about it. And they were going through the process. They were doing some painting. They were, they were ready to take over this thing. And one day, his wife calls me in tears and says, Matt, Matt, he won't get out of bed. He's paralyzed, and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, what, has, he, has he talked about anything? No, nothing. 
Well, what she didn't know is Matt had been churning that decision and thinking about all the pressures that he saw me carrying. And all that weight was pushing down him. And one day he shut down with a panic attack and he couldn't even go out of his apartment. For two weeks, she couldn't even get him to leave his apartment. Needless to say, he didn't buy my business. Almost put me in a panic attack. His whole life unfolded, and he wasn't even aware. She had no idea this was going on. It was like a tsunami hit him, and he was completely debilitated. Had no idea what hit him. Unpacking it later, that's what he was just, just churning all these pressures and thinking about all the responsibilities, and it just came down on him and crushed him. It's real life, folks. So tonight, I want, I want to define worry and anxiety for you, and here's what I want to do. There are lots of definitions out there. I like taking what Scripture says, and, and, and it's hard. This is what I hate about when you're studying one passage of Scripture. God often speaks from many different dimensions about different terms. Like, we use the word salvation. Well, God will paint it one way in this book of the Bible, and then he'll flip it around. Like, one chapter of the Bible, he'll talk about reconciliation, where you're an enemy of God, and he makes you a friend of himself. Another side, he'll talk about you being in bondage to sin, and he's actually purchasing you. That's redemption out of sin. So that's a different angle. Another one, we could go on and on. The wrath of God needs to be removed from us. That's propitiation, that real big word. It means that God hates sin, and his anger and hostility and his wrath is being poured out on sin, and he poured it out on Christ. So he removes that from you. So there's all these different ways that God paints the words in Scripture. Well, anxiety and worry is, is a word like that. And so what I want to do is I want to I give you a sheet. You've got one there. On one side, we're going to start on that sheet. It's all black, okay? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at a positive definition because here's, here's what you need to understand about the word Scripture uses for worry and anxiety. There's a positive sense where it's a good thing, and there's a negative sense where it's a bad thing. But we're going to start off in the first part of this, the positive side, to understand what this word actually means. So in the top left corner, you will see 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. Everybody see it? Raise your hand if you see it. Okay. This is a great passage from the Apostle Paul. This same word in this passage is the same word we get worry and anxiety in the rest of Scripture, in the New Testament. So Paul, who has been persecuted and suffered many things, uh, these are external things, things that have come at him from, he, he has no control over. So when Paul's arrested and beaten, other people are hurting him. But he says, apart from such external things, things outside of my body, there's the daily pressure on me, this is what's going on inside of him, of concern for all the churches. So in, in, in addition to all these things that are coming at me in this world, this broken world, inside of me there is this concern for all the churches that I've planted. They don't, they're not led in sin. They don't walk away from the faith. And so just like a parent has concern for a child, Paul says, I am concerned. Now, he wasn't worried, and he wasn't anxious, and he wasn't fearful, and he wasn't panicking. But he says, all this concern exerts pressure in my life. And so that's what stress is. Stress is all these things that I'm concerned about that show up in my body, and I feel it. That's what stress is. You feel stress. But stress is the outworking of anxiety and worry and concern in your life. And so Paul says, I have this positive concern. And if I didn't understand the things we're going to talk about today, it could trigger worry, anxiety, fear. Okay? So that, that's the positive side, the positive context. Now, why can concern lead to worry? And why, do, why are we concerned? Well, here's, here's what you need to know. God created us in his image and likeness. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says. So God created this world, you and me, creation, 
And God is concerned about his creation and he cares for his creation. And because you're creating the image of likeness of God, he created you in addition to be concerned about his world and care for his world. Okay? So God cares about his world and is concerned for it, and he's given us the capacity to do the same thing. That's a good thing. But the problem is when our concern goes off the rails and it becomes worry, and that's where we're going to look. So flip over your sheet from the black side where all those lines are underlined. You can see the context where it says concern or worry and anxious. And you'll see some verses in addition to that. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to help you put together a definition, a working definition for anxiety or worry. And panic and fear would be other uh, kind of dimensions of this. Worry could be a one-day thing where I could, just, I could be worried today because I'm, I'm going to be up here. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, but it could go to an extreme where I could be anxious about it. You know what I found? When I'm putting together, I love like putting together documents and, and teaching and things. I love thinking about things people struggle with. I love thinking deeply about them. But I can get this so much on my mind, it can become an over-concern, even a good thing like this. Sometimes when I'm teaching, I can't get it off. I'm, I'm walking through life and I can't get it off my mind. I'm so thinking, it's, it's good stuff, but it can become so preoccupying. I don't think about the other things God says he wants me doing. And so in a negative context here, let's build a definition here. So the first side, we're talking about concern, okay? This side, look at the words in red that are underlined. underlined. Worry is over-concern about or for things. Now that's important because often when we're worrying or anxious, we don't know what it's about. We just feel this, like, how many, how many of you are familiar with Peanuts, the cartoon there's the one dirty one, pig pen. There's all this stuff swirling, right? It's always, all this dust is swirling like a dust storm around him. That's why anxiety feels. It's just always swirling around and we don't know what's going on. But there are actually specific things that you're worried about or anxious about. And so you have to understand, it's not just this blob out there. There are actually very tangible things that you're worried about. So I love the fact that Scripture says, be anxious for no thing in every thing by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving so you're worried about or for things let's go down to the blue category worry is over concern about or for things in my life that i want or don't want the reason i say this because philippians 4 6 says paul says be anxious for no thing the way you deal with the things that you're concerned about is you take those requests to God. There'd be no reason to request these from God if you already had them. So be anxious for no thing. So it's something in my life that I want or don't want, and I may not even be aware that this is what's going on, but there's something I don't have already. It could be something I don't want to happen. When I'm driving, I get... Look, I, I worked with a lady in my last church, and she came to me because I was counseling there and, and a lot of people that came my way came through her and she came to me one time she was 64 years old and she said scott can i talk to you and i said yeah she said we're getting ready to go on vacation i said i know she says but you don't understand our vacation schedule has changed so much our last 10 15 years why because we have to drive over bridges and up high and i panic she said, I don't understand why. I know it's not logical, but we have had to change our vacation schedule because of this. My husband can't go places we used to go. 
And she told, went, went on to tell me about the time at the Grand Canyon and her husband and her son were over near, you know, not right at the edge, but she was in sweats like two blocks away at a picnic table and almost about to have a panic attack. And she said, I don't understand what's going on. There was something she didn't want. She didn't want her family to fall off the cliff. And when she's riding up high in the mountains there, she would be in the floorboard panicking. And so we started working through this and helping her understand the things that she wasn't even aware of why, what she wanted or didn't want. There were things that she, they were up here in her head and her heart, but she didn't understand how. So things I want or don't want in my life. Let's finish now. Worry is in the orange category. Worry is over-concern involving my heart and mind because that's where it is. It's your heart and mind, okay? Your heart and mind are preoccupied, something you want, something you're thinking about, dwelling on, about or for things in my life that I want or don't want, that I do not currently have, and that I believe I need, or don't need, that are outside. See, this is a big one. This is why we worry. This is why we're anxious. They're outside of my control to obtain, and they're outside of my ability to know for certain if I will obtain them. Something I want or don't want that I think I need in my life and I can't control it. It's out here. And I can't see whether or not I'm going to get it. And that's why I worry it because I can't do anything about it. So I hold it in my heart and mind and continue to dwell on it because it's that important to me. I can't get it off my mind because I want it or think I need it and I'm preoccupied with it and I don't even realize it. I call this the shower test. Sometimes I've found myself taking a shower and I've got a lot going on. There's a lot of pressure coming. And I could be in there 15 minutes and I haven't done anything. I mean, the water feels good. Hot water in the wintertime feels good. But you realize after 15 minutes, wait a minute, what have I been doing? Or I'm driving somewhere and I realize I've been preoccupied. And I don't realize I'm preoccupied until I miss my exit and I have to go 10 or 15 minutes out of the way. Anybody ever been there that drives? Okay. You can go 30 minutes out of the way like, what happened? I know the exit, I've taken it 100 times. That's because there's something else controlling your heart and mind at that time. Okay? Now, some of us are just bad drivers. That, that's, that's not the issue here, okay? Worry, anxiety dwells and parks on these kind of questions. What will I? How will I? What if? Okay? That's all from this text, guys. It's, it's not stuff I had to make up. It's right here in the Bible, okay? So let me, let me give you an illustration that Pastor Nick's going to have up on screen here, okay? You guys are all familiar with driving, so inside your car, there's an instrument panel there, right? Right? Everybody? Okay, hopefully you've seen it if you drive. What are some of the gauges there in your car? What's that? Engine lights. Engine lights. Hey, were you here earlier today? <laughs> what, what, what gauges are there besides engine lights? Tire pressure gauge. That thing can come on. You don't even know it exists. Like my van, it showed up. I'm like, what is this? I've never seen this before. I've driven old cars. They didn't have them. <laughs> what else? Fuel, right? Hopefully you guys see that before you run out. Anybody run out of here before? Nobody's going to admit to it, right? <laughs> yeah. All these gauges. Speedometer. But that engine light, right? If that thing gets to the red, you're in trouble, okay? And that's happened to me many times, like when I was about your age, and I didn't know what was going on, but my, my radiator went out. And all of a sudden, you see that thing, whoo, 
And like, I don't know what to do now. It's probably not good to keep driving, though. So uh, this gauge here, I want you to look at this because this is a tool for you to think about. All right? Look at this here. At the bottom here, these little blocks. Now, Pastor Nick's going to talk about this top half kind of next week in another illustration. But the bottom half, there are things in my life, they're kind of coming at me. So whether it's things with my body or my relationships, my home life, school life, all these things that involve my life, right, things I'm concerned about, they're, they're coming at me. And, and there's three ways I can look at these things I'm concerned about. Actually, I can be indifferent toward them and not concerned enough. That's where I was in school until the exams. I, I just kind of ignored school, when I, at least at your age. Um, and then I could have a normal, healthy concern for things, Okay, so I'm a student. I should be concerned that I have a final exam coming up, right? Okay. And then there's concern for things that's over-concerned about things. And look at that picture. What do you see the difference in the, the red heart and the green heart and blue heart? It's being squished down because the Bible says anxiety in the heart of man weighs it down. So you have these concerns in your life, whether it's three, five, seven. And have you ever felt like you're being squeezed? Just, I've got too much to do in too little time. And it just feels like your heart is going to explode. In me, it shows up because I find myself having a hard time breathing. Like, I find myself short of breath. And then I realize, oh, man, there's all these things. When I moved here, my list, I went back and looked at, was this long. And when I looked at that list over a day, I had, my heart felt this way sometimes. And I had to do what I'm going to do week three to tell you about what God says to do with it. But it was a daily thing to have to take this to the Lord because there were so many things outside of my control. I was here and my family was in Tennessee. So all the things that had to happen, I couldn't do anything to fix except for pray and ask God to help. And I had to give and give and give things back to him all over and over. And I had to realize that God didn't want me to be squeezed like that, but I, it showed up in my life. I felt that way. So when the Bible says anxiety in the heart of man weighs it down, man, that is a very descriptive verse. Luke says the concerns of the world weigh down the heart. There's concerns in your life that feel heavy and weigh you down. And, and that's what we want to talk about. So you can be in the blue zone, cold or indifferent toward things you should be concerned about. You can be healthy. There are good things to be concerned about, and you have a healthy way of looking at that. And then there's things in your life you can be over-concerned about, Okay. Where this goes crazy is we're in, we're in the, that red zone. That's what we're trying to talk about. That's what Pastor Nick has me here to talk about, okay? But you can be over-concerned about good things. You can also be over-concerned about things you, God says he wants you to be indifferent about. Okay, I know as a teenager, and this happens to adults as well, when you walk through that door, you can be concerned with what other people think about you. Okay, that's, it's okay to have a healthy level of concern what other people think about you. But you can also be paralyzed walking through that door because how other people are going to view you. And God says, that red zone here, that, that's not the way I want you to live. Although a lot of people do. That's why people get so worried about what other people think about them. And sooner or later, some of those people turn it on themselves and they take their lives because they're so overwhelmed and so fearful about what other people think about them. And they, they feel like they don't measure up. And God says, no, 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 that's not the way I want you to live. Okay? So, quickly, before you break up in your groups, you can be worried, fearful, anxious, panicking about things that you should be concerned about. Food. Do you need food to live? 
Okay? Yes and no. Your body needs food to live. Jesus told his disciples, do not be worried about those who can kill the outer body. Don't worry about food. Okay, yes, your body needs food to live. But in Revelation, there's a concern there that a lot of times we don't catch. John's writing says, and through Jesus' words, and he says, hey, if you're faithful to the end, you will be okay with the second death. So what's the second death? That means that my body might die in this world. Ultimately, my soul is going to face God. And even if I die physically in this world, there is something greater that I should be concerned about. Standing before God and not being right with God. And so food is a biological need, yes. But Jesus went 40 days without food, did he not? Do you remember what he said? Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What he did, what he said was, this is your greatest concern to be right with God. More important than food. Even if you die in this world, you have something much more urgent and much more critical. Because even if you live 70 or 80 or 90 years here, eternity is a whole lot longer. And to be separated from God for eternity because of decisions on earth, you should be concerned about that. Okay, so I can be concerned, good concerns about food, clothing, shelter, security, all those things. Are, are those bad things to be concerned about? No. God says, don't eat of the tree of the fruit, a tree of knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you will surely what? Die. Did he want to be concerned about it? Yes. Don't do it. I don't want you to die. That's okay to want to live. They still made the wrong choice, so there are good things to be concerned about, but God, even to his disciples, said, hey, guys, I know you don't know where your next meal's coming from, and I know you, that concern for food is okay, but don't be worried about where your next meal's coming from. Because that's sinful when you worry and you forget your father's going to provide for you. Okay, the Gentiles, the people that don't have a relationship with me, they should be worried. You shouldn't be worried. Okay, good things that I'm over-concerned about. All right? So that's one category. Uh, Quickly, I could be worried, fearful, anxious, panicking about things that God says to be indifferent toward. When Israel's looking for a king, what do they look at when they pick Saul? Outward. Okay, height. Stature, handsome, right? And God says something specifically in that it should free every Christian. If they only understood this, can apply this to everyday life. Man looks at the what? The outside, but God looks at the heart. And here's how I know that a lot of times in my life and your life, we are more concerned, not with what God thinks, but what man thinks, because we focus more time on the outside than we do the inside. I would dare say most people that come here on Sunday mornings are way more concerned with the outside than the inside. Forget about Sunday morning. What about the other 165 hours of the week when they don't think God sees what's going on? See, does God ever not see what's going on in your life? If it was videoed and played out in front of us, boy, we would be shocked sometimes, wouldn't we? But God sees it all. So I can be indifferent toward Jesus was going around preaching the gospel. and, And there was a degree he said, look, I don't care what the religious leaders think about me. He said, because I'm not doing this to please them, I'm doing this to please my Father. And so there's a time to be indifferent toward what other people think about you. Concern is okay. To have favor with man is okay. But, but you don't let it paralyze. You don't become over-concerned about it. There's a concern for living a, a, with the authorities, the governing authorities, and, and, and people in your life, your parents. But as far as your peers, that, that really don't matter. I mean, living for God is first, okay? So you can be 
over-concerned about things God says to be indifferent about. The area that I think sometimes we forget is God says to be concerned about things a lot, often that we're not concerned about at all. And so let me ask you this. If your life ended tomorrow, choices you made yesterday, and today up to that point would be really, really important. And most of the time we're more consumed with this world and the things this world without being pleasing to our Father, worried about His evaluation of us. Now, guys, I say this for a reason. I wasn't a Christian at your age, and when I went from the sixth grade to seventh grade, my best friend, we were kind of fading out at that time. He lived in my neighborhood. He was riding his bicycle back from swim practice, got hit by a Mack truck and killed that summer. 17 years old, my brother's best friend on his birthday, my, my best friend's birthday, got into a car on a Friday or Saturday night, I forget what it was, December the 5th, I don't remember the year, Guy was in a little MG car, drinking, rolled that car. My brother's best friend was killed that night. They should have been concerned about their eternity, and I don't know if they were or not. See, there's lots of things. God says, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, but, but, and all of Proverbs is about talking to teenagers. Guys, listen, listen. Listen, buy wisdom. Pursue it like it's the most important thing in your life. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And there's an indifference toward wisdom often and fear of God that shouldn't be there. Because if you face God today, you would realize that was the most important thing to be concerned about. It really is. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. We won't to kind of help you get this into a practical level, to see where you're at here, okay? So you're going to get a sheet that says, okay, okay, so I'm thinking about this. What are the things in my box here that, that tend to push me into the red zone? What are the things that are coming at me in my world that I'm concerned about in my life that I want or don't want that tend to push me into that red zone that God says it's okay to be concerned about but not worried about or anxious about or fearful or going to panic mode about, Okay? Or what are the things in this red zone that I should be indifferent about, like all these secondary things that aren't bad necessarily, but will this person talk to me, or will they not, or what happens if, all these what ifs, what if, how will, all those things are hooked to so many things that aren't that important. Okay? So that's the first thing. We're going to try to identify some of those things. Second thing is, how does anxiety or worry show up in your life? And so you're going to get this handout here. And it's just a checklist. It shows up in my body often through anger, or I have a difficulty swallowing, or I get dizzy, or dry mouth, or I feel my heart beating fast, okay? Or I'm tired, or I have headaches, or I can't concentrate. My mind goes blank, or I get irritable. People get irritable when they're anxious. You know why? Because they're walking around holding their whole world up here and they don't have time to think of it. And then people come at them and they can't talk to them because this is consuming them. You are interrupting my kingdom right now. And I'm, guys, we've all been there. This is a human problem. There's only one human being that didn't deal with this, and that's Jesus. And he's the only one that can liberate us from us. He's the prince of peace that can bring peace when there's anxiety and fear and worry. Muscle tension, nausea. Or an upset stomach. Rapid breathing. Nervous energy or jittery. Now that could be from caffeine in addition. Okay, we could talk about some of those things. Repetitive, obsessive thoughts. I can't get this off my mind. Restlessness. Shortness of breath. Sleeplessness. Snacking or skipping meals. This might be how it shows. You realize that I'm 
snack. I'm not even that hungry. But I just start picking up things and eating them. And you're like, why? I don't do this every day. It's because you're nervous and anxious about things and you just find yourself eating. Or you realize it's been three meals and I haven't eaten anything. I'm so overwhelmed, I don't even have time to eat. And it shows up by not eating, okay? Or sweating or trembling or twitching or I can't sleep, all these things. It shows up in your life. It can show up in your desires, attitude, behavior, and actions, and in your body, okay? You want to give extra instructions after I pray, right? Okay, so Pastor Nick's going to come up and give you some life uh, group instructions, what to do with this. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time and for each person here. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you that you don't beat us up with truth. You want to set us free, God. You're sovereign and in control, and you want us to, to be liberated from all the madness this world brings our way, Lord, and that our hearts actually seek after and, and contribute toward it. So help us, Lord, as we continue to work through this to bring you glory and pleasure and, and bring good to others and, and actually bring good to ourselves. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.